0: What is evidence-based practice? How do libraries and librarians experience it? And if it's a good thing, how can we more firmly establish it within our domains and cultures of practice? Before we turn today's guest speaker loose on these matters, on behalf of the faculty of the School of Library and Information Science here at San Jose State University, I bid you welcome to another in our ongoing series of colloquia presentations. I am Dr. Anthony Bernier, and Um, along with Dale Dale David of our technical staff we are producing this fall colloquia to better connect our library community with the faculty please be on the lookout for new colloquia presentations on the SLIS website at least every other week throughout the term where you will find a webcast archive of all our presentations on the SLIS homepage find them on our homepage website at slis.sjsu.edu We offer our Colloquia as free podcasts as well. Viewers can either subscribe to the Colloquia RSS feed or visit the SJSU SLIS portal in the iTunes Music Store. Find details on the Fall 2007 Colloquia homepage. This commitment to access is brought to you by SLIS, conveniently located everywhere. I would also like to invite you to visit SLIS 21, the school-wide blog, maintained by our Associate Director, Dr. Linda Main, on the school's homepage. SLIS 21 concentrates on school administration and development, and you will find new topics introduced there every week. You can also find SLIS 21 on the school's homepage. Dr. Helen Partridge is Senior Lecturer at the School of Information Systems at Queensland University of Technology, QUT, where she is also course coordinator for the Master of Information Management degree. Dr. Partridge teaches in the areas of reference and information services, information retrieval, collection and access management, information literacy education, and professional practice. She has published widely in the area of teaching and learning and has won a number of teaching degrees at QUT. Dr. Partridge is actively involved in a number of research projects, exploring the many issues associated with library, studies, Uh, and education. Most recently she received QUT funding to identify and embed within the library science curriculum the general capabilities of the library and information professional. Prior to joining QUT she worked as a librarian in public and special libraries. In 2006 Helen was elected to the board of directors of the Australian Library and Information Association ALIA and chairs the association's research and publishing standing committee. She is convener of the Information Literacy Group and chair of the organizing committee for the upcoming Beyond the Hype Web 2.0 Symposium. Helen is also an ALIA representative on the International Federation of Library Associations, IFLA, uh, the um, Library Theory and Research Standing Committee. Just this year, Dr. Partridge received the State Library of Queensland Library Board Award for Professional Excellence. Helen has recently completed her PhD exploring the psychological perspective of the digital divide within community. Her research interests include community information literacy, library education, and the topic of her presentation today is evidence-based library and information practice. On behalf of the School of Library and Information Science faculty, please join me in welcoming Dr. Helen Partridge.
1: Well, that was quite an introduction, wasn't it? I hope I can live up to all that. Thank you very much for inviting me to be here this afternoon. Um, it's a real pleasure to be able to spend some time speaking with you on a topic that I'm quite passionate about. Evidence-based practice within our profession, within library and information science. You will have noticed by my slides that I've entitled uh, my presentation today, Evidence-Based Library and Information Practice? Question mark. Um, I kind of added that question mark at the last minute when I was thinking about my title because I think that's actually really is a question that we're posing here is as a profession are we really an evidence-based profession? Do we rely upon research and the gathering of rigorous data to inform our practice to help us make decisions? Um, So that's something I'm hoping we'll explore a little bit today. Just to give you a bit of context That's uh, where I'm from. So that's uh, QUT, the QUT campus in Brisbane in Australia. Uh, Brisbane is a river city, so I have the wonderful pleasure of being at the city campus. Unfortunately though, my office doesn't look at the river, I look into another building, Um, but that's okay. I get to enjoy the lovely view. So that's where I've come from to be with you here today. Okay, so what would I like to consider today? There are a number of things that I'd like for us to to discuss and talk about. Firstly, I want to think of, I want us to consider what is evidence based practice for the library and information profession. Um, does it matter? What's does it actually concern us? Should we be in, um, worried about it? Should we be involved in it in any way? Um, what are the obstacles or the barriers to evidence based practice? If indeed we do decide that it's something we need to be considering, um, and are library and information professionals actually ready for evidence based practice? And how do we actually go about fostering a culture of evidence-based practice within our profession? Okay, let's think about it, a few definitions. Evidence-based practice is actually um, based within evidence-based medicine. So it comes from the the evidence-based medicine. So it comes from the idea that clinicians, doctors, work with their patients to gather the evidence they need to decide upon the best option for that particular patient. Um, And it was, I think, Rachel Anderson in 1997, who was then president of the Medical Library Association, made the comment that the library and information profession needs to start thinking about evidence-based practice in its own practice its in in its own day to day functions and that she challenged the profession to actually start to identify well what would evidence based practice look like in our profession. That same year Jonathan Elrich who is a US um, academic introduced the phrase evidence based librarianship um, and it was his way of referring to the use of evidence based practice within our profession and he offered Well, over the years, since he introduced that term in 97, a number of scholars have offered several definitions on that. And I'll just, I won't read them out to you, but I will invite you to take a couple of moments just to to look at a couple of the definitions that currently exist. Over the years, a number of different professionals and and, Uh, professional associations, most notably the um, Special Librarians Association have actually offered some uh, different definitions of them. They're probably very similar. They um, all uh, represent something along these lines. Some other ones include these. In 2002, Andrew Booth, who was a UK academic in the area of library and information science but specialising in health and medical areas, um, looked at all the definitions to date and he identified these, what he called consensually based um, characteristics of these definitions. So it has a content of day to day decision making, context of day to day decision making, an emphasis on improving the quality of the professional practice, um, a pragmatic focus on best available evidence, incorporation of the user perspective acceptance of a broad range of quantitative and qualitative research designs, access either first-hand or second to the process of evidence-based practice and its products. Now, interestingly, um, I am not going to try and pronounce Denise's last name, but Ellen Crumley and Denise, who are Canadian librarians, um, and I've always, whenever I see Denise, I apologise profusely about that, In 2002, when they offered their definition of evidence-based librarianship, they offered it with the criticism that current definitions of evidence-based librarianship were too theoretical, that they actually lacked um, practical application. So their definition, the one that you see on the screen at the moment, is an attempt to try and give um, a pragmatic real-life conceptualisation to what does evidence-based librarianship actually look within the practice of of a library and information professional in their everyday, everyday work practices. Interestingly, um, over the last couple of years, there's been a shift away from the term evidence-based librarianship to terms such as evidence-based library practice or evidence-based library and information practice. And I think that shift perhaps stems from the point that, that Ellen and Denise were trying to make um, and that we're trying to view the, uh, this, this concept in a more um, pragmatic, the more practical, a more holistic way. Um, As a couple of cases in point, the Canadian journal, um, online journal that's recently been released is now called the Evidence-Based Library and Information Practice. Um, There is an international conference series called the International Evidence-Based Librarianship Conference which, if my memory serves me correctly, began in the UK in 2001. I had the pleasure of attending it in Canada in 2003 and I actually also had the great pleasure then of hosting it in Brisbane in 2005. This year it was held in the US, and this year the name changed from Evidence Based Librarianship Conference to the Evidence Based Library and Information Practice Conference. And so I think there's a shift to starting to reconceptualise in more practical terms, in more real life, in more accessible terms, what is evidence based librarianship or what is evidence based practice in our profession. Um, As a sort of a my own personal experience of that a couple years back I was at a university here in the US visiting and I was speaking with some of the the librarians about this concept of evidence-based librarianship and one of the librarians came up to me afterwards and said, look, I really found what you were talking about really interesting. I'd love for you to come speak with my staff. She happened to be, I guess, what you'd call the collection development librarian. Her staff were mostly non-qualified people, so library assistants, no formal qualifications, who were involved in processing selection and that sort of thing. Um, Very passionate staff, though, very committed to their job, very felt that they really were um, uh, Contributing to the library service. And when I spoke to this particular cohort of people about evidence based librarianship, they kind of felt a little alienated, and I I actually understand why. So the move from evidence based librarianship to evidence based library and information practice emphasises that what we're looking at here is the whole of the practice of library and information profession and that anybody involved in the profession can be contributing to that. So it doesn't have to be a librarian, it could be a library technician, it could be a library assistant, it could be a non-librarian but another professional maybe working within the library context. So what we're talking about is actually crafting and building a library information service or practice that is based upon rigorous evidence, um, so data collection. So I think that's an interesting move that's starting to take place um, when we start talking about this idea of evidence-based practice in our profession. Okay, so does evidence-based practice matter? So we've talked about, well, roughly what it is. So it's this idea that we make decisions, uh, that we solve problems, that we improve our service based upon the gathering of rigorous evidence um, so that we're not using you know, gut instinct or because that's the way we've always done it or we're not using um, our, what we think is right. Um, does it really matter? Well, okay, let's have a little bit of an exercise to think about this one. You've got 10 seconds to have a look at that and tell me how many F's are there in that slide and the screen at the moment. Any comments? How many F's? Four. Four? Six. Six. There's always one in the audience who gets it, isn't there? (laughs) You may have actually seen this exercise. It's something that I've seen quite a lot. There are actually six. There are six F's, Um, but the lowercase the. The ovs yeah. <laughs> it's the way that we look, our eyes are trained and our brain trains us to read some text like that. We actually do miss the O's, so the OF that you see. So we usually only pick up anywhere from two, three, maybe four, but there's actually six. So why am I showing you this when I'm asking you the question, is evidence-based practice relevant to our profession? Fun little a way of just highlighting the idea that evidence-based practice allows us to open our eyes. It allows us actually to see what is really there. So we're not looking at a situation or a context or a problem or a decision that needs to be made with blinkers on. So by engaging in evidence-based practice, we're taking on board a systematic, rigorous approach to really looking at the situation and not just seeing what we want to see, or um, you know, gathering data that gets us the ev- answer that we want to get, but rather we're actually having a look to see well, what is genuinely in front of us, what is the real situation, so that we can respond appropriately. A little fun exercise for that. Um, or alternatively, a couple of other fun exercises about the um, optical illusion. So optical illusion is another great way of highlighting, you know, depending on which way you look at it, you can see something different. And evidence-based practice helps us, hopefully, to see all sides of what we're looking at. Um, In 2001, CILIP, which is the the UK Professional Association, the equivalent of the ALA here in the US, um, commissioned a study to look at the research landscape in um, library and information science in the UK. And after some rigorous sort of investigation to this, the study noted that research was actually really powerful and important part of the library and information profession. And they identified that research has an impact in two levels. At the professional level, it helps um, make informed decisions. It helps build the professional profile. So as a profession engaging in research, we're actually seen to be um, more of a profession. Um, It helps to build a knowledge base for the profession to, to delve into and to share and to build from. They also noted that at the personal level, when they spoke to the library information professionals, they were engaged in the research, that it was a great opportunity for personal development. So it allowed those librarians, those library information professionals engaging in research in their practice to have a new way of, of their self-development, their learning, um, expanding their repertoire, their toolkit of skills and knowledge. So I think there's some really strong reasons why, as a profession, we should be talking about and thinking about evidence-based practice. Uh, one thing that I, I noted when I was... Um, in, in Canada, presenting at the the third, uh, no, the second um, Evidence-Based Librarianship Conference, was that the audience base very much at that point was still medical or health librarians, and indeed a lot of the commentators and scholars in the area talking about evidence-based practice in our profession do come from the health and medical domain. So for somebody who actually, I don't have a health or medical domain, I'm a former public librarian, but I'm now a library educator, I'm conscious of the fact that many of my students don't actually go out into a library and health sort of setting, they go out and do a very broad range of settings. So one of the things I'd really like us to challenge ourselves to do as a profession is start talking about evidence-based practice from all the different settings that we come from so that we are talking about it not just from the current background of health and medical librarianship which is wonderful, it's great that they brought it to to our attention, um, but all other sectors of the profession now need to start thinking about it and addressing this issue and challenging themselves to say well what does it mean for me? Um, And in this way I think the SLA, the Special Library Association, are doing wonderful things that they actually do have their research statement which openly talks about the role of evidence-based practice within special librarianship and I think that's quite um, a powerful thing that we could learn from. Okay, Um, Kirsty Williamson, who is um, an Australian professor, um, provided some points as to why is research or evidence-based practice within our profession valuable and important. she commented that it assists in understanding the problems and issues which arise at the workplace, Um, it adds knowledge to our field, it provides solutions to problems, it helps maintain dynamic and appropriate services, uh, meet requirements of accountability, we do function within a political infrastructure so we need to acknowledge that, Um, assist in policy formation, Uh, justify our present funding, can get increases in funding, inform other practitioners, and maintain and improve professional status. Um, So there are, I think, actually quite a lot of really good reasons why as a profession we should be starting to embrace it and talk about it. Um, I always liked this quote which I thought was quite, quite um, revealing. If research is absent, non-existent or even scarce, there is no profession but only an occupation grounded in techniques, routine and common sense. I've highlighted the word profession because I think what we're a related conversation and very much part of this conversation about evidence based practice is is librarianship a profession. Are library information science professionals actually professionals? Are we in library schools and library educators teaching and helping to educate people to go off to work as professionals in a profession? So let's stop and consider then Well, what do we mean, what is a profession? and I always like that. Similar to defining a camel. You know, everyone knows what a profession is and what a professional looks like when they see it, but sometimes it can be really hard to define. Um, And thankfully there have actually been several attempts to define it. And there are some typical characteristics of a profession. A body of knowledge derived from research. Hmm, okay. Requirement for a tertiary qualification. Yes, we've got that. An acceptance of personal liability. Yes, I would like to think we've got that. Commitment to ongoing professional development. Code of ethics. Hmm, interesting. And a certificate of, or license to practice. Okay, big thing for me there when I look at these typical characteristics, the hallmarks of what constitutes a profession. A body of knowledge derived from research. Commitment to ongoing professional development. Okay, isn't that evidence-based practice? Isn't it that the hallmarks of it? So if we're calling ourselves a profession, if we are professionals, then we should be engaging in evidence-based practice. We should be engaging in research, research in our practice. We should be contributing to a body of knowledge that the rest of our profession can draw upon and build upon and help to inform their decision-making, their problem-solving. Okay, so let's recap what we've looked at so far. We've talked about, well, what is evidence-based practice within our profession, and in particular, we've identified some of the, the term evidence-based librarianship and its associated definitions. We've identified the fact that the term evidence-based librarianship is perhaps moving away now to uh, take on a more holistic phrase, evidence-based library and information practice that there are some really good reasons why as a profession we should be engaging in evidence-based practice, we should be incorporating research into our practice, but let's be honest we need to be realistic, we need to be pragmatic, we need to consider well what are the obstacles, what are the barriers that are at play as a profession for us to incorporate evidence-based practice into our work context. Now this is where I get a chance to stop talking for a few moments and I'm going to invite the floor. The audience to maybe shout out some of the ideas you think of when you think of, well, what are the obstacles? Well, just looking at some of the resistance to assessment. Okay, resistance to assessment. How do you mean resistance to assessment? To it to begin with. Okay, so the comment then was that um, in a higher education context that assessment is usually a wonderful pool of data of evidence that people could use to make decisions and, and improve their practice but sometimes students and teachers are reluctant, particularly students to give that data or that evidence to you so you, so you may have your hands tied simply by the, the process or the um, protocols put in place. What other barriers might there be?
0: A commitment to and a reproduction of ritual.
1: A commitment to and a reproduction of ritual. Interesting. What do you mean by
0: that? Certain kinds of programming models, certain kinds of program deliveries, certain kinds of programming profiles in general. We've just done them. We continue to do them because we used to do them. Okay. It's just a more of a ritual than a practice.
1: Okay. So the idea being that um, things have been the way that things have been done the way they've been done for for years upon years upon years. It's worked. Why do we need to change it? Um, that sort of approach. There was another hand up the back. I'd say
0: um, professional
1: laziness. Professional laziness. <laughs>
0: Done well, it's going to take quite a bit of effort and once you do it, I don't think you want to stop doing it, it
1: would be an ongoing commitment. Okay, yep. So for evidence-based practice to be done well, it requires effort. It does require um, a little bit more on top of maybe you normally do and that once you find yourself embroiled in it, you probably find that you're going to be interested to keep on doing it. So it's a new level of commitment that perhaps you, maybe you don't have the time for. So yeah, there actually are a lot of obstacles and a lot of um, factors you want to consider that could get in the way of incorporating evidence-based practice into your day-to-day activities. So it could be funding. So, you know, look, I've I've, I've got a, uh, a full enough job as it is um, for me to actually be to incorporate evidence-based practice into my workplace. Um, into my day-to-day activities, I'd need some extra funding so that I can get some help to do this, so I can maybe hire an assistant or something along those lines, or someone to help me gather the data. So that's always an issue. Um, Management. Perhaps the management um, doesn't support you, so they don't encourage you to be engaging in evidence-based practice, that they don't see the value in it. Um, So there's actually quite a number of different factors that, let's be realistic, uh, the other one is you're busy. I know we're all very, very busy professionals, so the idea to, you want me to now to do what on top of everything else I'm doing? So that can often be quite a legitimate um, reason for why people find it hard to incorporate evidence-based practice. But in saying all that, I'd like to think that the reasons why we should incorporate evidence-based practice outweigh the reasons why we shouldn't. And that perhaps what we're trying to be striving for here is actually embedding a foundation of evidence based culture within our profession and that may require us as a profession actually radically re looking at the way we do things and the way we uh, the culture we currently have. So is librarianship actually ready for evidence based practice? That's a real interesting question um, and it is actually a question I asked myself in a small research project that I undertook with some colleagues, Claire Thorpe and Sylvia Edwards, recently in Australia. We wanted to know that ourselves. I'm very interested in this idea of evidence-based practice and research and practice and I was intrigued to see that a lot of the the definitions, a lot of our understandings of it to this point in time have come from a very small grouping of scholars in the area and that whilst these scholars, many of them are actually professionals themselves in industry, it would be really interesting to actually go speak with um, people out in industry and find out, well, how is it they are actually experiencing evidence-based practice or research in their practice, if indeed they are at all. And I think this would give us a really good uh, baseline data to understand, well, where do we need to go if we're going to have a foster a culture of evidence-based practice? So, I'm not going to go hugely into the method used but I will highlight what I was interested in doing. What I wanted to do was not just understand the typical or the average library information professional's experience of or understanding of evidence based practice, if indeed such a thing really exists, Um, is there such a thing as a typical or an average library information professional. What I wanted to know though. Was what's the full spectrum, what's the variation of experiences? Um, so I, I assume that there are different ways of experiencing evidence-based practice and I felt phenomenography would be an appropriate method for me to allow to do this. So phenomenography is a research ma- a method that basically suggests that when, ex- when looking at a phenomenon and that phenomenon could be anything, in this instance evidence-based practice, that there will be significantly, qualitatively different ways of experiencing that phenomenon in a particular community or a group. So in this instance, the library information profession. I uh, used semi-structured interviews and I interviewed, I must admit, only six participants. It was just a pilot study. Um, So two were academic librarians, two were public librarians and two were special librarians. So it really was what I like to call a conversation starter. Um, so that we can start to think about well how is evidence-based practice actually understood and experienced by people in the profession doing their job. So that's briefly what I'm I'm looking at here and I should highlight the results of this um, research I'm I'm briefly highlighting to you today were presented at the evidence-based library and information practice conference which was held um, in the US today and it's available from their website. But okay, what did my research suggest? Well, I should add, in phenomenography, um, the way the the results that come out of phenomenography will be anywhere from four to seven categories of description. And those categories of description will um, outline or or describe the different, qualitatively experienced ways of understanding or conceiving that phenomenon. So in my research, I found four very different ways that library information professionals that I interviewed, only six, experienced or understood evidence-based practice within their, within their profession. Uh, this is definitely uh, an ongoing research project I'd love to try and continue if I can. So evidence-based, pra- profession, or evidence-based practice is a professional ac- accident that happens to you by default because I am a good library and information science professional. Evidence-based practice is learning from and using research, it is relying on what has been proven right. Evidence-based practice is undertaken to improve what I do or what the library offers. Evidence-based practice is an integral part of my job. We all do it. None of us can switch it off. My job is evidence-based librarianship. So I'm briefly going to go into each of the four categories and just expand a little bit about well, what I saw um, in each of these categories. Okay. So category one, evidence-based librarianship or evidence-based practice is a professional accident. For somebody who was experiencing um, evidence-based practice in their job from this category, they were really not aware that they were engaging in evidence-based practice. They actually didn't think of what they were doing was being research. To them, it was a case of, I'm being a good library and information professional. I'm doing my job. Um, so to them, it was very much just a case of, I'm not engaging in research. I'm just, I'm doing what I need to do to do my job so that my, my boss will continue to employ me. Um, they tended to work predominantly alone. They were very much focused on um, reactively experiencing evidence-based practice. So they didn't go out looking to gather data for the sake of gathering data to improve their service, but rather it was when a problem was brought to their attention and usually by you know, their supervisor or, or senior up, they then thought, oh, I need to respond to this. So it was a more of a reactive decision to gather data to help them make um, decisions. They did engage in research in the sense that they would frequently, uh, a lot of the times people would talk about gathering surveys from their users or having a focus group with their users. Um, but a lot of the times it was, as I said, very reactive and it was, it was done in it to, re- to support a particular required decision that had to be made. So in this category it really was a case of, they, they didn't really understand the concept but they were, they were engaged in it anyway. Category B, evidence based learning, is learning from experience or, use, or learning from research. Um, focus was here very much on getting the evidence. I just need to get the evidence, I need to get the data. They were um, very driven by the idea that gathering evidence, though, was literature review. So to them, In this category of experience, when somebody was looking at evidence-based practice from this category, they didn't see it as actually gathering their own unique data. They saw it as actually just going off and and doing internet searching, database searching, to to get the information they need to inform their decisions or their practice by literature. they were very much focusing on demonstrating their value to their organisation. So they were trying to prove their worth, that they needed, that they should have a job, that the library should exist. So that was very much their focus. They were probably also still quite reactive like the first category. And the third cate- category C, evidence-based librarianship or evidence-based practice is making improvements. This category was really focused on best practice. The word benchmarking actually kept coming up a lot. They were interested solely in being the best. It was almost very much of a competitive. To them, evidence-based practice was a way of making them the best library services possible, that they could have the best services they offer to their client, that they, could con- they were continually comparing themselves to other library information services. So that was their view of evidence-based practice. It was benchmarking, it was best practice. Um, They talked about projects actually, so a lot of the times for this experience of of evidence-based practice it was talking about, oh we've done this project and we do this project. So for them evidence-based practice was a project-orientated approach. They were very focused on project management, Um, a lot of the people in this category would talk frequently about the various steps associated with project management, the tools they use for project management. So evidence-based practice was seen not so much as research but as a a project management process. Um, they were very highly structured in their strategies as well, so they they were very rigorous in terms of the way they approached their surveys, their focus groups, the way they gathered their data, so they were very, very structured in that, and they really were just a case of they wanted to be the best at what they did, so that was very much the focus of that of that particular experience. The final category is EBL is my job um, this was it was really quite interesting this was where The experience of evidence-based practice was that, well, I do it every minute I'm at work. That it was everything I did. Every moment of my day is about looking at the situation, gathering data, gathering evidence in, um, in any way possible if I'm standing um, at the cafeteria to get my lunch and I happen to bump into one of my uh, academics, one of my faculty, I would take that opportunity then to be engaging in gathering evidence. So there was not a moment of their day where evidence-based practice wasn't part of their thinking. Um, so this was quite, quite an interesting um, view. It was, they, but it was interesting to see that it was a very organic experience for them. This particular um, experience, they tended to talk a lot about, it, it was a hunch so, although evidence-based practice was part of their everyday, every minute of their day, it wasn't necessarily as structured or systematic as, say, the previous category. They were tending to be more just evidence. Just comes into me, and any time I'm walking around the library or I'm reading any literature, I'm always just trying to absorb the evidence around me. So, it was perhaps a lot less, um, a lot less structured. Definitely not talking about project management in any way. So they were the four different ways of experiencing evidence-based practice that we were able to see when we interviewed our six participants. And we found that quite interesting just to see the, the broad spectrum. So the challenge for us then as, as a profession is, if this is how evidence-based practice is experienced by our professional members, what can we do to build, to foster a culture of evidence-based practice in our profession? And I think that's a really important question. And I, I do hope to continue on the studies, that study that I, I mentioned just then, um, because I'm very much aware that there really were only six participants. That really is a conversation starter. Um, so I hope perhaps sometime in the not too distant future to be, give you, to be able to give you a more richer and fuller um, outline of what those categories really are. That really is just some preliminary results. But it does suggest evidence-based practice is experienced in different ways by library and information professionals. So. What do we need to do to foster a culture of evidence-based practice? Well I think we can't do this alone, it needs to be done in cooperation and collaboration by all stakeholders and those stakeholders are the individual library and information professional themselves, the library associations, the library educators and of course the employers. Now what do I mean, um, what would they have to actually contribute? Well let's take them one at a time shall we? Let's look, at, let's look at the individual professional, the library and information professional. What, would, what role do they play in this whole process? Well, the library and information professional I think needs to be willing, needs to be open to the idea of evidence-based practice and be willing to uh, challenge themselves to go off and learn new skills and knowledge if indeed they feel that they don't have the skill and knowledge they need to engage in evidence-based practice. The, evidence, the, the individual professional needs to simply just do it, to actually be, to embrace it as part as a core part, not just a small part, but really as the foundation of their work, that every day they need to go in with an evidence-based practice um, framework in mind, um, that they need to be willing to publish. I think that's a large part of um, evidence-based practice is also publishing. It's contributing to that body of knowledge. It's also making it clear to individual professionals need to fight for the right to be able to engage in evidence-based practice. Uh, and so I think maybe we'll jump over to the employer then. The employer needs to provide a culture for their their professionals that they will support and encourage evidence-based practice. Um, So it can't happen by just the individual librarian or library information professionals trying to fight for it and trying to do it. It needs to be supported from the employer's level. So they need to be willing to invest funds in it. into it. They need to be willing to give the library and information professional time to be engaging in it. They need to be willing to allow for skill, knowledge, development for the individual professional. So paying for the training or knowledge that they need to acquire. <clears throat> they need to, in their own library and information service, build up a, a mini culture of evidence-based practice in everything they do. Value that evidence and data really will aid in more effective decision making and problem solving. The educators, let's have a look at that one. So somebody like myself, which is one of the reasons I really got involved in evidence-based practice, I got fascinated by it, was my role as a library educator. Well definitely I have a responsibility and other library educators have a responsibility to make certain that the curriculum we offer our library students has evidence-based practice philosophies and skills and knowledge in there. So that our graduates are coming out with an evidence-based approach to their work that they have the toolkit that, the, that they need, the skills, the knowledge of research, of um, disseminating and being able to publish. Um, that we work with the employers and the professionals to provide professional development programs if need be. That we work with the employers and the professionals maybe to, on our own research as library educators, we're frequently not only involved in teaching but also research. So we should be invo- involved in conducting research that incorporates and includes um, library professionals engaged in mentoring library professionals so that they can understand the evidence-based approach, the research approach that's required. Professional associations is the fourth sort of key to the whole thing. Professional associations need to put together policies, they need to advocate to employers that we are an evidence based profession. They need to, when they go to accredit um, library education programs, insist that they see some element of evidence based practice or research in practice being present in that curriculum. They need to encourage evidence based practice within the profession by providing grants, awards, by even maybe a mentoring program. That's sort of, in many ways, just a brain dump of what each of these different stakeholders could do to help foster um, a culture of evidence-based practice in our profession. The main thing I've, I think I really want to highlight there, that is all four stakeholders need to be involved. All four stakeholders need to actually be willing to try and achieve this, um, because a culture of evidence-based practice can't be achieved by just one working alone. It needs to be done together. And that is pretty much my view of what's going on in the world of evidence-based practice within our profession at this moment in time. I do thank you for allowing me to come speak with you for this afternoon.